Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. that serves here at GVC. We couldn't do it without you. We call our service team here, we call them the dream team. And the reason being is because God gave us a dream. God gave us a dream to be a church that would be an impacting place for the greater Flint area. And so without people working together, the dream can't come to pass, right? And so thank you so much. In fact, for that matter, obviously we've told you this before, we've got the building up for sale. And again, just looking to uh, move on down the road, get into a bigger place. In fact, I've had people come in and say, hey man, we see this building here and there. So come on, stir your faith up and let's just continue to believe God for the increase, for what God's called us to, and seeing God do some great things. Amen. Amen. In fact, if you were here with us uh, uh, the Wednesday night that the, the Hankins were with us, one of the things that the Spirit of God said was that God has planted this church because the greater Flint needs a church like this. And you realize that needing a church like this doesn't mean a church building. It means God needs a people like this. That will be changers. That will be change agents that will bring life to a community. And so, again, it's so awesome to be able to do life with you and expecting great things just by the end of this year to see things become even more than what they are. Amen? Hey, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity this morning. To just share the word of God, we thank you that the word of God opens up our eyes. It brings understanding. It brings not only understanding, but revelation of who you are and, God, what you desire for us. So, God, I thank you that today we begin to walk in a new light. And we give you all the thanks and praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, this morning is just one of those freestanding messages, if you will. We uh, just finished up a series called Raw, and so just for the next couple of weeks, in fact, obviously we've got Labor Day coming up. All of you plan on being here on Labor Day, right? Woo-hoo. A couple of people on this side of the building said, woo So, hey, glad we'll, we'll have church next week, all right? So, <laughs> but anyways, uh, uh, today's just simply a freestanding message just to hope and hopefully encourage you and stir you up in your faith and your faith walk with God. But that being said, uh, how many of you know uh, there was a big event that took place yesterday? Anybody familiar with that? Called the Crim. Anybody ever run the Crim before? Raise your hand if you've, if you've ran it. A few of you in here. Uh, well, congratulations to those of you that did run it yesterday. In fact, do I have anybody? I know one for sure. Did you run it, Doris? You ran it yesterday. Anybody else? Just one person ran the Crim. You unhealthy bunch of people, you. <laughs> One person ran the crim. Well, congratulations to Doris. And uh, she's ran that before. And so, again, we're just so excited for her. And, again, she put some pe- pictures on Facebook. And it was really cool to see her cross the finish line. It was an awesome picture. But, you know, that being said, concerning a race or just really kind of connecting with the crim, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. And I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version. And it says this. It says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete? So obviously you're looking to compete or you're running to win a prize. But only one receives the prize, it says. So run your race that you may lay hold of the prize and make it yours. So the Bible says, run your race. Everybody say, my race. So your race is different than my race, but we all have a race to run. 
right? And then Paul goes on to say this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, let us run with patience or patient endurance and steady and active uh, uh, persistence for the appointed course of the race that is set before us. So every person has a set race. Every person has a race to run. And it's your race to, to run. And, and in running your race, the Bible says you have a prize. Amen? Every person has a race to run. And the Bible says that there is a prize to that race. And then Paul says, go in such a way that you obtain that prize. So in other words, before you ever even begin to run your race, see you completing the race and see you winning the race. Amen? So before you even start this course of life, before you ever start this race of life, God says, I've already seen you as a, as a winner. I've already seen you having the prize in hand, crossing the finish line. The only thing that's left is for you to actually run the race. Come on. God sees you as a winner. God sees you possessing the prize and holding the trophy. And the trophy in the prize is really the promises of God. And God says they belong to you. So run your race with endurance. Run in such a way that it belongs to you. Now, you think about Doris. Again, she's the only person that ran the race yesterday. But when Doris ran her race yesterday, she ran in the crim. The crim race. But within the crim race, really, again, there's multiple facets of that race. So, again, with... That being said, and just realistically speaking, winning the crim as a whole is not something that I know Doris was thinking about winning. Because again, she's, I just know she's not that type of an athlete. And again, that's not being uh, uh, belittling to her. That's just not her goal. Her goal was to win her race. Does that make sense? She set a goal for herself to finish the race, and she set a goal to win her race. And knowing that when she finishes her race, they're going to give her a medal. Now, she's got a medal from this year, and she's got a medal from last year. And she knows that upon completing, it's hers. And she won her race. Well, once again, all of us are in this race of life. This church, Genesee Valley Church, has a race to run, if you will. And we're all collectively a part of the team. But then there are individual races that you are running and that I'm running. And it's important for us to know your race. What's the race that God has put before you? What's your race? What is the goal that God has put before you that you must obtain? When you think about the crim, the crim is synonymous with... With Flint, isn't it? I mean, you talk about Flint, you, you think about, or excuse me, you talk about the Crim, you're thinking about downtown Flint, you think in Genesee County, and people from all around come to Flint. In fact, I was sharing with a group this morning before we got started. I said, isn't it interesting that when you watch the news and you start hearing them talk about Flint around or surrounding the Crim, it's all positive. You know, for the last year and a half or so, I mean, it's been how bad the government's been within Flint, how bad the water is, how bad the economy is. But all of a sudden, we have this big race, and everybody's like, woohoo! Great race! People coming all over. Man, the economy boosted up. Man, we had high turnouts, and man, it's been a great 40-year run celebrating 40 years of the crim, and everybody celebrated it. And so for that matter, 
Since you are a part of Genesee County, if you're a part of the Flint, uh, uh, greater surrounding regions, then the Krim is really your race. The Boston Marathon's not your race because you don't live over in Boston. But the Krim, are you, are you making the connection? It's ours because this is our hometown. Regardless whether you run it or not, it's still yours. But when you think about the Krim, how, how, how many have heard about it? Have you heard about the Krim? If you lived under a rock, then obviously you haven't. <laughs> but we've heard about it, and I've already asked how many have ran the Krim, and just a handful of people have ran the Krim. And if I said, how many ran it yesterday? Well, we just had one person raise their hand. And really, that's a picture of the church. Because once again, the Krim is our race, but how many ran it? When it comes to the race that's set before us, we as the body of Christ have a race. But how many are running it? How many of us are running it together? And it's interesting, once again, if you look at the, uh, the, the news coverage, I mean, people are all over the place in downtown Flint, all kinds of people in the road running the marathon, and there's all kinds of energy, and, and, and just people are charged because of the camaraderie that this race has produced. If we understand that we are running a race together, it ought to create momentum, it ought to create synergy because we're all running it together. But unfortunately, what ends up happening is Cody gets busy with his life. And Tim gets busy with his life. And before you know it, we're divided and we're scattered all over the place trying to run our race individually. And sometimes we're not doing it very successfully. But if we'll begin to understand that, man, when we run this race together, you might have your individual race and he's got his individual race. But when we run them together, there's synergy. There's camaraderie. Come on. When you're struggling, that's when I can say, come on, we can do this together. What is a pastor? A pastor is nothing more than a coach. I was on vacation last week. And when I was on vacation, or no, I think it was two weeks ago. When I was on vacation, you wouldn't be, you'd be surprised at how many calls that I got. Pastor, this is going on. Oh, pastor. You hang up the phone from that one. All of a sudden, you get a text. Pastor. It's like, didn't I not tell you I was on vacation? <laughs> What are we not understanding about that? <laughs> I'm not a pastor right now. <laughs> no. But no, my point is this, is that it doesn't matter where you're at in life. It doesn't matter whether you're on vacation. Life still happens and we're still running the race. And so even in the midst of me being on vacation, there are people that are saying, come on, I need you to help me get through this moment right now. I need some help right now. Why? It's because we're all running the race. And therefore, again, when we come together, understanding that it takes faith to run the race, we can begin to grow together. And for that matter, what caused Doris to walk across the finish line or run across the finish line was not all that she did to prepare for it. It was really her faith that got her across the finish line. Because if she did not think that she could run the race and finish the race, she would have never even begun. Paul said, run your race because there is a prize that you already have. Now run it and obtain it. There was a medal waiting at the finish line for Doris. And since she's already done it before, she knew she could do it again. 
And so all she chose to do was say, well, I'm going to start. And it was her faith that carried her through. Now, how many of you know that there's some preparation that takes place before that? You've got to get healthy. You've got to build up your endurance or whatever the case might be. But once again, all that is just a precursor. But faith is what carried her through to the finish line. Right? Now, once again, the fact that you've run a race doesn't mean you only won race or, or run one race and you're done. No, there are constant races to be run. You finish one. Whoop, man, I'm back at the finish line again. I thought I was at the finish line, but no, I'm at the beginning line. Why? Because after one race, there starts another one. But as you begin to walk with God and learn that as I build my faith and prepare for this journey of life, and since I've already ran the race, and since I've already ran my race and obtained the prize, then I know I can do it again. How many of you know that life constantly happens? Yeah. Now, Jordan, just this, just this year alone, at the beginning of the year, uh, you know, they, they felt the sweltering heat start to build up in the house. And he says, well, man, I need an air conditioner. I think furnace too, didn't you? Didn't it start with the furnace first, right? Furnace? Yeah, flip-flop? Which way? Furnace first? Air conditioner. Okay. Well, I'll get it right one way or another. So anyways... <laughs> He got a furnace and an air conditioner because there was a need for it. Something went out. There was a need. And obviously with that need comes a price tag. But he's like, well, you know what? God's faithful. He ran the race. They got it installed all as well. Well, I don't know if you watched anything on Facebook, but I just saw just a couple days ago. Hey, anybody know anything about refrigerators? (laughs) He said, my freezer's working, but my refrigerator's not. Well, it's a race. Every day of our life, there's going to be a new race of something. The kids have a bad day. The doctors give you a bad report. The car breaks down. The roof needs to be repaired. There's always races of life to be ran, and there is a prize to obtain. Or in other words, our faith will carry us through to the finish line if we faint not. Or if you don't grow weary. How many of you have felt weary in life at times? Now, again, I'm just me. I'm just, you know, as real as anybody else. And there are times that I just want to sit down on the floor and cry and throw a tantrum because it's hard. Oh, God. And after God slaps me around a little bit and says, come on, stop that. You know better. Come on, you've, you've walked with me long enough. You know that we'll get through this. I'm like, yeah, but it's hard, God. And he says, come on, we can do this. But if I just sit down in the race of life, I'll never cross the finish line. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. And it's really bad. In fact, that's what's really cool about husbands and wives. Because there's times where I want to sit down and have a little pout and tantrum. And my wife, she'll come up and say, come on, we ain't going to do that. I'm like, all right, thank you, I needed that. And man, if you haven't noticed it, it sounds like God's voice sounds like your wife a lot of times. You ever notice that? God, God will use your wife to talk to you sometimes. But then there's times where she just wants to have a little pity party and sit down and throw a little pouty t- tantrum. And, and it's my job to help lift her up and help encourage her. Right? Why? Because we're in a race together. Well, again, church is no different. But you know what I found? 
I found that when it comes to people within church, now not this church, just other churches, <laughs> but I found that people that want to sit down in life and just pout and have a little pity party, they like to gather all those kind of people around them. Let's have a little pity party together. Well, yeah, it is really bad, isn't it? Yeah, you really had a rough go of it. Oh, the survey, oh, it's terrible. And before you know it, you have agreement with your little pity party. And the Bible says, how can two walk together lest they be in agreement? And the Bible says, if you agree touching anything, you have what you ask. So therefore, if you get somebody to agree with you, yeah, come on. That, that little rough batch in the road that was just supposed to be a speed bump, it's a whole long highway of road construction versus saying, you know what? I'm having a rough time in my life right now. I'm struggling right now. I need somebody to help pick me up, help build my faith. Who can I find around me that doesn't doesn't just take no for an answer? Who can I find around me in my church family that, that seems to just have a bulldog attitude and I can go to them and they'll help build me up, pull me up because that's what I need right now. Amen. Come on, you can find anybody to sit down on the ground with you and cry. Are you hearing me? Now, if you want me to be that kind of a pastor, <laughs> not going to be it. <laughs> I'll love you. I'll hold your hand. I'll rub your back. But once we get through that a little bit, then it's like, okay, what are we going to do about it? Are we going to get on it? Are we going to take care of business? Are we going to stir up our faith? Are we going to start running our race again? Are we going to obtain the prize? Or are we just going to sit here in the middle of the road? Because all the other racers are passing us. Are we going to get up and run? And there's one thing that I refuse to do is get stuck in the middle of the road. Because I got to run my race as well. If you just choose to sit down and just give up, well, listen, misery likes company, but I don't want to be a part of the misery. I don't want to be that company. Why? Because we're here to run a race and fight the fight and obtain the prize. Can you say amen? Some people will say, well, you know, when it comes to running this race, you know, it just takes too much work. Yeah, it takes work. You got to get in shape, spiritually speaking. And you got a purpose to get in the right mental, mental mindset to do what needs to be done. Living this life of faith, or I should say running this race, is living a life of faith. And if you remember, I said that your faith is what carries you across the finish line. So we could say it this way. Living faith will carry you, but dead faith you'll have to carry. Now, what's dead faith look like? Poor me. Boo-hoo. Bills are big. Doctor said. Kids are crazy. (laughs) Right? That's... You'll find out whether or not your faith is carrying you or you're carrying dead faith by the words in which you speak. Right? If you're feeling sorry for yourself, in fact, let me just say it this way. If you're feeling sorry for yourself or if you're feeling like you're having a bad day, that's when you know that the devil's working on you. My wife said that to me just not too long ago. She wasn't saying it at me, but it was in the context of of me kind of having one of those bad days. And she goes, well, you remember... uh, Dad Hagen always said, you know, if, if you're feeling sorry for yourself, you, you know that the devil's working. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> so what was she doing? She wasn't beating me up. She was coming up and she was strengthening my faith, saying, hey, you're seeing it from the wrong perspective. 
You're looking at the you're looking at the mountain rather than looking at you being victorious in the mountain. Amen. You know the difference between victory and victim? It's the last couple letters. Victim is the last two letters is I am, right? And when you play the victim, what happens? It's always about me. It's always about I. But victory ends with Y, meaning it's all about you. Jesus made you the victor. And whether you choose to be the victim or the victor is all based upon how you want to live your life and run your race. If you want to feel sorry for yourself, then you'll continue to live the life of being a victim. But we're victors, right? Amen. So concerning this promise of life. Concerning the promise of the prize, what is the promise? In fact, for that matter, the Bible tells us that the promises of God are eternal life. In fact, we found this over in Hebrews chapter 3. It says that we're redeemed from the curse of the law. And the curse of the law says that you had to go to hell. The curse of the law says you had to be broke and sick and defeated. The the, the curse of the law said that you had to just be bombarded by your enemies. But the Bible says what Jesus came to do was not only to give you eternal life, but it was to come and give you health and healing in your body, give you provision and prosperity in your life, to protect you deliver you out of harm's way because you are a child of God that's the prize that's what's belonging to you as a child of God but just because that's your prize you still have to run the race to obtain it are you here this morning you've got a purpose number one to see it but you've got to put the work in to be able to do what is necessary to see what God's called you to do and obtain the prize. In James chapter 2 verse 14 it says this. James chapter 2 verse 14. It says what does it profit my brethren? So notice he's talking to the church. So now this is again applicable to the body of Christ or the church or Christians. What does it profit my brethren? If someone says he has faith but does not have works. Can faith save him? Now let's stop there for just a moment. It says, can faith save him? So let me ask you the question. Can faith alone get you to heaven? How many of you think faith can get you to heaven? Raise your hand. Got one back there, a couple, a couple. Like, <laughs> not sure. Okay, turn, turn in your Bibles. If you Turn to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. You doing all right? Romans chapter 10, let's start in verse 8. It says, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe or have faith in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes or has faith unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes or has faith in him will not perish or will not be put to shame. For there is, for there is no uh, distinction between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all the rich that is called upon him. And then in verse 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So did you notice that there's two elements here? There is having faith or believing in Jesus and that God raised him from the dead. But there is a work that is involved. What's the work? You confessing with your mouth. I believe that Jesus is Lord. I received Christ into my life. I believe that God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says that having faith in your heart 
and confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus, then you shall be saved. And so therefore, can faith alone save you? No. And so therefore, it goes on to what we're talking about here. Let's read again. It says, if someone says, I have faith, but doesn't have works. He says, can faith alone save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and be filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Then it goes on to say, verse 17, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith. But I have works. Show me your faith without your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, foolish man, that faith without works is dead? So did you notice what it says? It says, you can say all day long that you believe in Jesus. So do the devils. So do the demons. If you truly have faith, there's corresponding actions or works, it's simply the same thing. There's corresponding actions that line up with it. Now, again, concerning Doris, her faith carried her across the finish line. But there were works of preparation that got her there. Right? And so when it comes to walking this life of faith, or living or running this race, if you will, in order for you to be productive in your life, it's not just a matter of saying, I believe, but it's a matter of putting works behind it or corresponding actions. What are you doing this morning? Corresponding actions to your faith. I'm coming to church. Why? Because coming to church builds your faith. Amen. Right? Yes. So here's the thing. When it comes to obtaining the promises of God, we just talked about them. Health and healing, provision, protection, the hand of God working in your life. That is a promise that belongs to every child of God. But it's not just automatic. It's automatically yours, but it doesn't just show up in your life without corresponding actions. You can have faith all day long that it belongs to you, but without corresponding actions, it'll sit there dormant. And you'll keep thinking, well, why is it not working in my life? For instance, in Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, it's the story of the woman with the issue of blood. Anybody familiar with the story? The Bible says that she was sick for many years. She had an incurable disease, went to many physicians, spent all that she had, but did not grow better, but rather grew worse. Come on, how many of you ever tried to exhaust everything in the natural side and still not come up with any answers? And then we decide to pray. Oh, you mean it's come to that? <laughs> we finally exhaust everything else. Like, well, I guess we better pray. <laughs> it says she did everything that she could on the natural side, but she kept getting worse. But then the Bible says something very significant. She heard about Jesus. And the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So all of a sudden upon hearing about Jesus, the one that was going about healing and, and setting people free, she heard about this man named Jesus and faith left in her heart. Once again, she went to every physician, spent all that she had because from time to time, faith would come up and maybe this will be the answer. Isn't it interesting that people are willing to try uh, uh, experimental drugs just to get better? Does it work? We don't know. 
You want to try it? I guess so. You're just hoping and wishing. And you don't know the outcome. I mean, you might start growing another ear or something, you know, just you never know. <laughs> You're willing to put your faith in natural things, right? And not that doctors are bad. They're here to, to help along. But once again, we're so willing to try so many other things. Well, if I just do this, if I just try another partner, if I just try another spouse, if I just try all this stuff and still come to the end of our race saying, I'm not completed. I'm not content. I don't feel satisfied. I don't have joy in my life. Yes, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian, but I'm still miserable in my life. The Bible says she heard about Jesus. The next thing is, is that she began to say, if I can just get to where Jesus is. See, faith begins to create corresponding actions. If you're in faith, I'll know it. People will know it by the things in which you're saying. You know, there's an individual that I was talking to just recently. And they were talking about how bad life was. And it really kind of made me laugh because every time you're around this person, everything that comes out of their mouth is negative. And then as they're saying, well, yeah, here's, here's another occasion. It got bad again. Hmm, I wonder why. Yeah, I just got a target on my back. Well, I wonder why. Because you have become the victim, you've begun to look for it. And because you look for it, you create the environment. The Bible says that she said, if I can get to where he's at, I'll be made well. She kept saying it. In fact, the, 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 the notation of that scripture tells us that she kept saying it. She kept saying it, if I can just get to where he's at, Can you just imagine, the more she said it, the more faith that she had. The more she said it, it caused more urgency in her to get where he's at. Because the more you talk about it, it creates urgency for you to run your race and get to where the prize is. And then the Bible says that she got up and began to go and found Jesus. Here's where people find themselves all the time. It's what I see in the church because they see the prize, they want the prize, they talk about the prize, but they want to stay seated in their miserable state. The Bible says she got up from where she was. She was a sick person and in that environment identified her as a sick person. She got up out of that place and went somewhere different because she didn't identify with that anymore. If you're a miserable person, get out of the environment that you're in and go somewhere positive. If you hang around turkeys, you can't soar with the eagles. Amen. Thus saith the Lord. (laughs) Come on, God wants us to get up where we're, from where we're at. What's the, 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 the prophet's name? I can't remember his name. But he was in a town called Ono. And God commanded him to get out of the town of Ono and go where he needed him to be. And I believe that's where so many Christians live. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> another problem. Another bill. Another bad report. You got to get out of the place and run your race. You've got to cross the finish line. The Bible says that she got up and went to the place where Jesus was. And I'll finish with this. Many people have a real hard time 
believing that God is as good as He says He is. Many times it's just because we choose not to run the race. And there's corresponding actions or works, if you will, that will accompany our faith to get us there. But here's the question that I have for you. Because we always look at our circumstances and validate our faith upon the circumstances. Even if our circumstances don't line up to what we think they should, then we somehow qualify and say, well, I guess it's just not God's will, not God's desire. And so, therefore, I might as well settle with what I have. And there have been mainstream churches and denominations that have told us that and fed us that junk that says God doesn't do that anymore. God doesn't heal today. God doesn't provide provision and prosperity for people's lives. Well, let's just take that scripture in Mark 5. The Bible says concerning the woman, when, when she received from Jesus, Jesus said, woman or daughter, according to your faith, be it unto you. Let me ask you this. Has faith been done away with? No. And how did she receive? It was by her faith. Her corresponding actions or works connected her with the promise, the provision, the prize. If her faith can make her whole, your faith can make you whole. Well, I thought it was done away with. Well, the issue is, is has faith been done away with? You can argue all the other stuff, but has faith been done away with? It's how you receive Christ. By faith through grace. So what do you have need today? What are you running for? What are you running from? Are you running your race? If we'll run it together, we'll obtain the prize. If we'll run it together, life will become fun. If we'll run it together, we'll get through the obstacles together. Because listen, they're coming. You thought this marathon was just smooth sailing. No, there's some uphills. There's some downhills, there's some curves, there's some potholes. But if we're running it together, things that you can't see, maybe I can. Or maybe there's things that you're going through and I've already been through them. And so I can tell you how to get through them. Or vice versa. God wants us to run this race together. And seeing as though we've already obtained the prize. Because it's ours. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Everything what I shared with you this morning is the things that are available to a believer. A child of God. One that has confessed Jesus as Lord. And so I just want to ask you this morning. Nobody looking around, every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you say, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I can say that I had a belief system in God. But maybe you'd say, I've never confessed Jesus or made him the Lord of my life. I want to give you that opportunity right now. Secondly, if you're here this morning and you say, I've been in this miracle round rather than the marathon. I've not been running the race. I've just been chasing my tail. If you want to get off the miracle run and you want to start running the race with God, 
Maybe it's a matter of just getting life rearranged and coming back to that place where you know you need to be. I want to give you that opportunity as well. Again, nobody's looking around. I'm not going to call you up front. I'm not going to embarrass you, call you out. But if you're here this morning and you say, that's me, I want to receive Jesus. And any of those invitations, would you just raise your hand? I see those hands. I see those hands. I see that hand. You can put them down. I see that hand, young man. I see that hand, lady. Anybody else? Anybody else? Come on, seven people raised their hand. Would you join that seven? You'd say, hey, listen, I just want to, I see that hand back there. You say, I just want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I realize it's risky, but are you willing to take the risk? Risk is always concern of what you may lose, but I guarantee you, if you give Jesus your life, you won't lose anything, but you'll gain so much. One last time, anybody in here, you say, I just want to know that today is my day. I see that hand, young man. Amen. Let's pray this prayer together. And if you didn't raise your hand, but you wish you would have, you just pray it with us. And everybody, let's pray this out loud together so that we can hear it, so that all heaven can hear it. And more importantly, let's just let the devil know right now that we're stepping out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, confessing Jesus as Lord. Pray this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. I believe He hung on a cross. He died for me, went to hell three days. But on the third day, He arose and is alive forevermore. And so I ask you right now, God, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. I confess you as my Lord in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, or maybe you just have never received anything like this, I don't have one of these packets up here, but they'll have them in the back. There's a little green envelope that says, I believe. In there is a lot of materials that will just help you in this journey. If you don't know how to begin, if you don't know how to start, we just want to help you. And so grab one of those. They'll give them to you at the back. If you don't have a church home, we'd love to have you and make you part of the family. Amen? Amen. Are you ready to worship one last time before we go? Amen. to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life